Over 2,000 years ago, two disillusioned disciples walked along a dusty road to Emmaus. They had just witnessed Jesus, their friend and leader, whom they hoped to be the Messiah, suffer a gruesome death by crucifixion. Doubt, fear, and uncertainty clouded their conversation as they journeyed home questioning the future. Until something miraculous happened. The risen Jesus appeared and answered their questions. Today, many young Catholics step onto college campuses with numerous questions about their faith, yearning to know if the seed of faith given to them as a child is both true and practical. Using the miracle on the road to Emmaus as a model, young adult ministers conversed weekly for three months with college students about the most pressing questions they had about the Catholic faith. As they journeyed together virtually, something amazing happened. Doubts disappeared, fears faded, and Jesus revealed that he is still alive. Hearts Burning Within Us, the latest book from Patchwork Heart Ministry, scheduled to be released in the summer of 2021, is a result of that grace-infused conversation. To pre-order your copy and help spread the word about the book, visit patchworkheart.org. Welcome to the Sowing Hope Podcast. This is a show all about implanting hope in our hearts. I'm Bill Snyder, joined by my friend Anne DeSantis. We're glad you're here for our uplifting conversation about faith and how it sustains our hearts through all the seasons of life. Thanks for walking with us. And good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Sewing Hope Podcast. I am Bill Snyder. It's great to be with you. Thank you so much for listening and tuning into Patchwork Heart Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts or uh, live with us on YouTube. And know that we are live each and every single Tuesday and Thursday at 6 o'clock p.m. As always, I'm joined by my good friend, Ann DeSantis. Ann, how are you this evening and uh, what's going on? Oh, uh, unmute there, Ann. <laughs> that pesky unmute button it always gets us. here. Yeah, that's right. Here I am. Great to be here. I love this series because we're unpacking 
the four marks of the church. And so to me, I think this is a great series. And also we're on number two, which is the church is holy. So we're going to unpack what does that exactly mean? And as I said on the first edition of this series, it's not so much about like Anne and Bill's opinion about what does that mean? It's right. really what the church teaches about it. Yeah, absolutely. And so, of course, we use the catechism when it comes to these things, uh, you know, and, and of course, the Bible and Scripture as well, um, you know, so that we can unpack what, what, what the church says about this. You know, I mean, I think we said it last time, but the four marks of the church are like the you know, the cornerstones or the pillars that the church stands on. You know, if you've got if you've got four edges to a building or to a house, right, you got four corners of a house, it's like building upon each of those pillars that stand in the corners of the house. Uh, so, you know, just think about uh, that as the marks of the church. So, you know, it's one, which we discussed last time, holy, which will be tonight, and then, of course, Catholic and apostolic, that will be next week. Uh, but yeah, so we're we're super excited to be able to delve into these because they're they're parts of our faith that we you know that we should know. I mean, we also say it pretty much every single Sunday at Mass, right? You know, we say I believe in one Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. Uh, it's part of the Nicene Creed, and uh, you know, so so we recite that at almost every Mass, and oftentimes I think we do it kind of you know half asleep or <laughs> or whatnot when we get to the part of the Mass about the Creed. We're not paying too much attention, um, but it's an important thing. So, um, you know, know that. Um, know that you know these these things can help us live our faith better you know and so uh, super excited to talk about the church's holy and holiness tonight yeah that's right bill thanks for bringing up the nicene creed because i think it's important that we recognize that when we go to mass you know as catholics we say those words and so it's important for us to know what they mean and i know that on the first uh, part of this series. This is a four-part series because, as Bill said, that it's the four marks of the church are that it, the church is one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. So this is actually the second edition of the series. Is that it's good for us to understand? You know, what does it mean when we say that the church is holy? And so I'm going to read right from the Catechism. If you go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And it's in part one, which is the profession of faith, section two, the profession of the Christian faith. And that would be in chapter three in I believe in the spirit. If you if you go down to where it says that the church is holy, it says in article 823 that the church is held as a matter of faith to be unfailingly holy. This is because Christ, the son of God, who with the Father and the Spirit is hailed as, quote, alone holy, love the church as his bride, giving up for her so as to sanctify her, he joined her to himself as his body and endowed her with the gift of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God. The church then is the, quote, holy people of God, and her members are called saints. Now, let me back up a little bit. When in the catechism, we read her, right? Her means us because we are, quote, the bride of Christ. Right, Bill? Yes. I mean, uh, so that's when when they refer to her, the female term, 
uh, we are the her. <laughs> and so because of the Holy Spirit, that's where and why we can call the church holy. Yes, exactly. And, you know, uh, I, I think you touched on something important that maybe we should just um, touch on a little bit. Um, in just a little bit, Anne, because uh, I think it's so crucial to the four marks of the Church, and so crucial to understanding the relationship that we have with with Christ, as as you just highlighted it, uh, the Church being um, female and God being male. You know, I mean, oftentimes we hear from people <laughs> that, um, you know, Jesus asks us to say um, that, God is a man, you know, pray to the, pray the Our Father, right? Like, you know, God is a Father. God doesn't have a gender, and that's a, a different part in the Bible, but we refer to God that way because, uh, you know, in order to bring about the, the, the complete part of um, humanity and, and divinity, you know, it, it, it's beautiful to see that relationship between God and us. As you said, you know, the Church is the bride, Right. And, and because the church is the bride of Christ, uh, and uh, and and female, we receive God's love in a very powerful way, and that way, God is the Father. Um, that, that he is giving, gifting us that, and we receive it. And so, um, you know, the that is like the reason why we call it Holy Mother Church, right? I mean, there's that term that the church uses, Holy Mother Church, uh, and and God is. The Father, and so um, I, I I think it's beautiful that we talk about this because, in order to, um, as as we said last time, in order to be one, we have to be diverse, right? There has to be diversity. In order to be holy too, there should be um, this beautiful complementarity. You know, I mean, the 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 one thing about God is that when 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 He gifts. Um, you know, graces on the world. He wants something to receive it. You know, God didn't have to create us, right? I mean, we, you know, we we talk about that, but He desired to create us because His love is so good and so great that He wanted to give it to some somebody to be able to receive it, right? Um, and and thus here we are. It's our existence, and that alone um, is the call to holiness. Right? <laughs> Doesn't that call us to holy? Yes. Yeah, as Catholics, there's a calling, right? Yeah. As Catholics, there is a calling for us to unite with the Holy Spirit. And that's part of why we say that the church is holy, is because it's the existence and the acceptance and the working together with the Holy Spirit. And I'm just going to read on the next part of the catechism. Um, in article number 824, it says, United with Christ, the church is sanctified by him. Through him and with him, she becomes sanctifying. And then it says, in quotes, all the, activity, the activities of the church are directed as toward their end to the sanctification of men in Christ and the glorification of God. It is in the church that the fullness of the means of salvation has been deposited. It is in her that by the grace of God, we are acquired to holiness. So it's, it is a calling. And that's the only reason why we call the church holy, right? It's because 
the people of God are praying to the Holy Spirit, invoking the Holy Spirit, and living their lives as though God does exist and that God is calling them to mission. And that's really what it means to be Catholic is that we have a mission, right? We have a purpose. We're here for a reason. Every soul has a purpose and every person is important. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you know, the, the call to holiness, too, is a very biblical thing. <laughs> it's a very biblical thing. Yeah. Um, you know, this, this is not something that, you know, just the church dreamed up. Uh, you know, this is not something that the church dreamed up. Uh, this is something that is written on our hearts, and it's also written in Scripture. Uh, one of the one of the quotes uh, that that is beautiful about about this, um, absolutely beautiful about holiness, is uh, found in First Peter, for, uh, for, uh, chapter chapter one, verses fifteen and sixteen, and it's. And it's beautiful. I'm actually going to start with verse 14 because it, because um, I think it uh, gives a little bit of context to holiness too. It says this: "Like obedient children, do not act in compliance with the desires of your former ignorant ignorance. But as He who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in every aspect of your conduct. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy.'" And that's a beautiful quote, you know, it, it also talks a little bit about that we have to, you know, d- die to self, right? Like we have to um, look at our, our former selves as gone, right? We just went through the Lenten season and, and we've now entered into, uh, we're still in the Easter season, folks. Easter goes on for quite some time. Uh, and, and being in that, right, like we, like we die to self, we we die to sin and we rise to holiness, and so that is so important that we that we look at that aspect of it, um, and that and then of course obedience goes along with holiness and all of those other things. Um, but 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 I like to do, do not act in compliance with the desires of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, be holy yourselves, in every aspect of your conduct, for it is written. Be holy because I am holy, and that's, and, and you know, and that's um, the great call. It's a great call to holiness that we as Catholics have to um, have to answer, you know. And you know, as as, as we look at ourselves daily and do uh, a daily examination of conscience and do those things, we we um, by by achieving personal holiness, we gain. Uh, you know, we we end up sanctifying the church too, right? Because we become, uh, you know, uh, another Christ in that body of of Christ, and, and that is so beautiful. Yeah, it, it's truly beautiful, and and I think we can also, on top of what you said, unpack what does it really mean to be holy. And some people might have a vision of a a person kneeling in church and praying the rosary, or a person uh, who is very pious, right? And and being pious is is a good thing, really. It's it's a good thing, um, but it's it's not really what means to be holy. It's a different thing. It's a different definition. Um, holy means that you are you're a disciple and you're living it, 
and you've taken that as the first priority in your life. So being pious means that you're, you're called to prayer and it's a visible thing to others, right? Yeah. That you are called to, to be very uh, piously um, holy, especially when it comes to the mass or prayer or being a Catholic. But being holy really encompasses all of who we are. So it's not just on our prayer life, but the way we live too. And so I think that's important to, to think about that, um, you know, you can be holy in doing the daily tasks of your life, the, your everyday life. It's not so much that you, you're only holy when you go to church and pray the rosary or go to Eucharistic adoration, right? We're, we're holy the way that we live our lives and that we, the way that we accept and do God's will. Yes. So that's what it really means to be holy. And I'm going to continue with what it says in the catechism. In number 825, it says the church on earth is endowed already with that sanctity that is real, though imperfect. In her members, perfect holiness is something yet to be acquired, strengthened by so many and such great means of salvation, all the faithful, faithful whatever their condition or state, though each in his own way are called to are called by the Lord to that perfection or sanctity by which the father himself is perfect. So we're all called to be perfect, but that doesn't mean earthly perfect. It means God's perfect, right, Bill? Yes. And you know, that other thing in that, in that paragraph that also is, is beautiful is that it highlights something that is so very important that holiness is possible. Right, I, I I think uh, the uh, one of the one of the most influential books I've ever read uh, was by uh, Matthew Kelly, and uh, it's called "The Biggest Lie in the History of Christianity: How Modern Culture Is Robbing Billions of People of Happiness," and um, it, it, it's one of the most well-written books and most practical books you'll ever read, uh, and it's all about. Uh, that holiness is truly possible. And I'm going to spoil the book for you because this podcast is, is all about that. I do encourage you to read the book uh, because Matthew Kelly's tips are unbelievable uh, and they truly help you grow in holiness. But, uh, the, but the premise is that the biggest lie is in the history of Christianity is, is that personal holiness is impossible. And this paragraph in the Catechism that Anne just read shows you that holiness is possible. And, and you know, what I mean by that is it's impossible—Satan makes us think that holiness is impossible for, um, for, for you personally. It might be possible for people like Mother Teresa or St. Pope John Paul II— or Pope Francis. It might be possible for those people, but it's impossible for you, right? And that is the biggest lie in the history of Christianity, as Matthew Kelly points out in this book. Um, and it, it's, it's so important to realize that that is a lie, that you can be holy, that, that yes, we're, none of us are going to be perfect, but yet we're called to perfection, and by doing little things throughout your day, you can 
grow in holiness. You know, as as Anne said earlier, it's not just, you know, this this piety on the outside. It's actually relationship with God on the inside and that that flows outwardly, right? Like 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 when you're a holy person, the other thing Matthew Kelly says in a different book um, is uh, in in rediscovering Catholicism, he says holiness is attractive, right? And so when 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 you're living a holy life, people turn their heads and they look. Oh, what does that person have? You know, you know they're filled with this joy. They're filled with this um, you know other you know divine joy that can't be robbed by by the. Um, by the trends of our society that's happening right now, right? Like, like little trends and, and all that, you know, they, they pass away. I remember, uh, when I was a kid, uh, and, and, and you might even remember this because, you know, typically a lot of these trends go in cycles, right? Um, but I remember uh, when I was a kid, we would play pogs. We would collect pogs. Does anybody know what pogs are? Uh, they're these little paper, you know, cardboard, um, <laughs> cardboard, uh, circles that you would play a game with and you would collect them. You'd go to a, a, a toy store and I, and I had millions and millions. I mean, I spent allowance money after allowance money on these little tiny pogs, pieces of cardboard with cute drawings on them. And then we would get what they called slammers. That would try to flip the pogs over, and we'd play games with these things. And my, I remember my dad saying to us, "You know, pogs were 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 big when I was a kid too." And I don't know if kids still play pogs today, but I mean, but it's, but but I think about like that, and that's like craziness. Like I, I was putting all of my happiness as a little kid in pogs. You know what's what what you know and. I think oftentimes we continue to fall in that trap as adults. Like we continue to follow this path. Like, you know what? I'm just going to be happy by putting my, you know, my hope in the world because, because true happiness, you know, is, is just impossible. I can't reach it. I have to just, I have to just bounce from trend to trend. Pogs are out of style. Well, then I'm going to move to handkerchiefs or whatever the next thing is, you know? Um, and, and trend after trend after trend, you realize at the end of your life, all you did was bounce like a pinball around a machine, you know, from trend to trend and not find anything that's lasting. And so, um, you know, holiness is possible for you. I want you to realize that. And I want you to, um, you know, read this book by Matthew Kelly, get a copy of this book. Uh, and it will, I promise you, uh, make things super practical for you. Yeah. Thank you, Bill. That sounds really good. I don't know that I've read that book yet, so I have to read it. And, um, you made a good point because I think in the world that we, we get into these little fetishes sometimes about what our appetites are, our desires of what we think are going to make us happy. But, you know, holiness is really the opposite of just, uh, chasing after that happiness, right? Because what holiness comes down to, honestly, is living and accepting the Holy Spirit in your lives, doing God's will. And I'm going to read what it says in the catechism on number 826 about this. It says that 
Charity is the soul of the holiness to which we are called. It governs, shapes, and perfects all the means of sanctification. So first of all, let's unpack what is charity. Charity is love. That's what it comes down to, okay? So how, when you exercise love, okay, and I mean God's love. I mean the way that God views love, not the way that, you know, the world views it. When we exercise charity and love in our lives through virtues, not vice, and try to pray against and live in, live in virtue, but pray against vice in our lives and stay close to those sacraments of the church. You know, that's the way that we can be holy because what holiness comes down to is that we're living in God's love. Okay. Now, for every single person, that's going to be different, right? Because everybody has different gifts and talents and the way that they show God's love to the world. So if I'm reading this correctly, as I said, again, it says that charity is the soul of holiness. Mm. And that's right from the catechism. Okay, so I'm one person and I exercise God's love in one way in my life through the vocation that I've been given, through the special gifts and talents that I've been given. But I'm only one person, right? I'm one piece of this great big puzzle. So every saint, that means that every person can live in the gifts and the vocation that God has given them. And so if I'm reading this right, and I think I am, um, that's what it comes down to when they say the church is holy, because the church is not specifically a building, okay? (laughs) And I'm not saying that we can't refer to the physical structures of our Vatican or of all the different individual dioceses, archdioceses, and all the churches, right? But what I'm saying is that those churches are comprised of human beings and that every one of those human beings that's comprising these churches all over the world have different gifts, talents, and vocations. So when we say that the church is holy, I'm going to go say it again, that the charity is the soul of holiness to which we are all called, which was what the catechism says. Uh, The way that we be holy and the way that the church is holy is the more that the people accept this gift and this calling, that's how the church continues to be holy. Yeah. And, And to love, you know, I mean, just to talk about love, you know, charity is perfect love, right? It's completely self-giving, self-emptying love, you know, and, and, you know, that's where we get, I'm going to give to charitable causes, right? We, it's, because it's a true gift. The, the other thing I want to say about that too, Anne, is that, is that unconditional love really is a gift. You know, we, we in society, think about love and again this is the core of being holy right um, as uh, we, we associate oftentimes gifts with presence right like gifts are different than presence because when when we give a Christmas present to somebody oftentimes there's an expectation that, that is returned to us, right? Like, you know, we, we write a Christmas 
uh, you know, card. And oftentimes our friends write us a card back. And I can't tell you how many, how many times uh, I've heard, you know, different people say, well, if you don't write me a card after three years, I'm not mailing you one, you know, and, and I've heard so many different people say that, like, I'm going to save my 55 cents on postage and not mail you a card. Well, that's not a true gift. That's not a true act of charity, right? Like that's not, uh, a, a true gift, the, the, that's just a present. Um, and so gift though, is something where you can never repay it or desire to repay it. It is a gift that is handed to you, that is given to you, right? It's a gift that is given to you that you can never repay. That's why God's grace is a gift. Can't, manufacture grace, can't manufacture unconditional love. Those things are impossible to manufacture. So take a look in your life at, the, at what you're giving to others. I think that's a really big point in becoming holy. Take a look at what you're giving to others and what you're giving to God, right? You know, like when... when you know, Christ boils down all the Ten Commandments. He boils it down into something very simple. You know, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And, and there's three different aspects, right? There's God, who is first. There is your neighbor, and there's also yourself. And if you love all three of them, then that brings you to meet all of the minutiae of the commandments and makes you, transforms you into holiness. So we have to love God, we have to love our neighbor, and we have to love ourselves. I think the last one sometimes can be really hard, to love ourselves, learning how to love ourselves and take care of ourselves, being, um, you know, I mean, of course, self-emptying love and self-giving love is so important that we give it to our neighbors and to God. It's very important, but we also need to learn how to love ourselves. And I think for a lot of people out there, um, if it, you know that are that they may be struggling with holiness, you might think, "Oh, I give this, I I give that away to this person. I help, you know, at my church. I give these different things." What do you, What are you giving to yourself so that uh, you know, are, are, are you giving that quiet time? Are you giving that self-care? Are you giving all of those things that are really important because, you know, to yourself, and I think that you will watch holiness uh, exude from you when you uh, not only give to God and to others, but also to yourself. Yeah, absolutely, Bill. Thank you. I love everything that you just said. And um, I think it's good for us to reflect on what Bill said about loving ourselves too, because there's two different definitions when it comes to loving ourselves. There's the worldly definition of it. And then there's the godly definition. Okay. The worldly definition is that now I'm joking here, right? But that Anne would go out and Anne would do what she wants and spend the money that she wants to spend it's all about her, right? It's all about her getting ahead and has nothing to do with anybody else, right? 
So when we talk about, quote, loving yourself, that doesn't mean that I pat myself on the back so much and I want to get noticed and I want everybody to agree with me on everything. No, mm -mm. loving myself means that I have a relationship with God. Loving myself means that I take the time to pray and reflect and be quiet and that I be still and that I spend time with God so that I can know God's love for me. So it's not a selfish thing. It's not about me going out and spending a couple hundred dollars on clothes or, you know, or, or on my new hairdo. Okay. Uh, loving myself means that <laughs> I'm joking and <laughs> laughing about that. Loving myself means that I'm accepting how much God loves me. And honestly, to be quite blunt, it means that I'm spending God time with God in prayer. And I would want to read and extend a little bit on 826 that it says if the church was a body composed of different members, it couldn't lack the noblest of all. It must have a heart, a heart burning with love. And I realized that this love alone was the true motive force, which enabled other members of the church to act. If it ceased to function, the apostles would forget to preach the gospel the martyrs would refuse to shed their blood. And then now this is all in caps in the catechism. It says love in fact is the vocation, which includes all others. It is a universe of its own comprising all time and space. It is eternal. So I think I'm so glad Bill that you talked about that idea of loving God, loving others and loving ourselves. But I wanted to make sure also that we understand what does that mean to love yourself? Okay. It's not a self-serving, uh, selfish kind of thing. Right. And, okay. and I think that's so, so good, Anne, that you defined that. Yeah. Too. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I mean, I, because I think you're right. You can just say, Oh, I need, you know, it's almost like there's this grabbing when, when, when self-love is perverted in a bad way, it's, it becomes self-centered you know self-love is not self-centered love it's not revolving around just just you it's not just about having you know 27 spa days in a row so that you can relax uh it's 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 not about that it's about realizing that as you said Anne, that you are loved and that god loves you and that you you take time to just enjoy that relationship and knowing that God loves you uniquely, like like He has loved nobody else, has created nobody else but you in that way, to love you in that way. So I think that that's really really important. The other thing that uh, that's a beautiful quote from the Catechism too, because uh, looking down in my notes of the Catechism as you were reading that, that actually comes from uh, the autobiography of Saint uh, Therese of Lisieux. Uh, so that, that, that is the saint who wrote that beautiful quote. And when you talk about, uh, you know, hearts burning within ourselves uh, and that it's the heart of the church, that, that holiness, again, as you mentioned earlier, is that, you know, charity of the, is the soul of holiness. You know, when you talk about the soul, you know, it's that center, most important part of us, right? Um, and, and, and a part that is eternal, you know, so so when, when you relate that into the church, 
Where is that in the church? It's at the heart. It's at the center, you know. And and in order to um, really be church, we have we have to show holiness to others. You know, um, it, I think it's really easy for us as as members of the body of Christ to attend a Sunday Mass somewhere. Like, I think it's pretty easy. That's a pretty easy—if you're looking for a checkbox to go and do that. It is harder for that group of people, much harder for that group of people to ex, to go out from there and show holiness. Like, it's easy to walk in the doors and say, yeah, I've checked my box this week, right? But the challenge is that that group of people that has just come together to pray— and to now go out and serve God and to show and to witness holiness. I was saying this um, the other day to a group of uh, college students, and I was saying that, um, you know, in order to, you know, come together at Mass, Mass is all about leaving. The word Mass actually comes from the end of Mass, the Latin phrase it says "etta misa est," which means you know the mass has ended. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. That's actually where we get the word mass. Mass is all about leaving. Christmas, when we use the word Christmas, it's actually about Christ leaving heaven and coming to earth. Christ's mass. That's Christmas. So you know when we when we want to show holiness, it's all mass is not about sitting there in those pews, learn, learning and, and everything. It's, we have to do it. It's a beautiful thing to come together. But it's more important that we walk out of those doors and exude the holiness as a group. Can you, like, can you imagine if we all took that, that um, idea into Sunday Mass every single Sunday, that, that we gathered ourselves together and then we allowed ourselves to be strengthened by the Eucharist so much and, and rallied and uplifted by the, by the exhortation in Scripture and at the, at the encouragement of our parish priest. What if we did that? What if we then all left on fire and changed the world? Like, that is holiness. That's what holiness is about. Oh, I love how you said that, Bill. I don't know if I've ever heard it said quite that way, too. So that, that's great. And everything that you said is is really according to what the church teaches. You know, I want to say again, I said at the beginning of the podcast that Bill and I wanted to uh, discuss this and unpack it for you, not because of what we think or our opinion. We don't want to do that at all. What we wanted to do was talk about it. What does the church teach about the whole idea of the four marks of the church? Okay. And, and I'll say what they are again. One, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. We talked about one on our first part of the series. This is part two of the series, holy. And Bill just said in, in what he said in the description is that if we went to mass and if we lived the mass and if we understood that we're all on mission to love, right? You know, that's what really what holiness means. It means that we are great lovers of God and of others and we're living it out. We're living out God's will. Okay, now we, we have that definition of piety, like I said in a little while ago. And when we picture the piety, 
you know, the two can go together, but they're really two distinct things, aren't they? So keep that in mind too, that holiness is something that you can live every single moment of every day. Piety, um, I guess it can be something that you can live every, you know, all the time as well, but it is a distinct thing because your piety is the way that you're showing that honor to God when you're in his presence. Yeah. When you go to mass and you see the person that's wearing the veil and they've got the rosary clutched to their hand and they're, they're, they're seeming to be such a pious and holy person. Um, that's a good thing, but don't get them mixed up because you can be holy. Even if you are at school or at work or in the kitchen, making food and, and, uh, being a podcaster <laughs> right. yeah, or driving an Uber like Bill does yeah. or me being the director of a foundation. I mean, we can be holy in all of those activities too. A absolutely. And, you know, I, I think when it comes to piety too, remember that, um, remember you have a fingerprint. Remember you have a fingerprint. It's unique. Nobody else has the same fingerprint you have. And your spirituality, your piety, is as unique as your fingerprint. The relationship that God has with you and the way you express it, that really is what piety comes down to being, is your expression of your relationship with God. And, and sure, we have some different common things, right? Like, there are some different common piety and expressions of the faith. Right, just like certain people all have brown hair and certain people all have, uh, you know, blonde hair and whatnot, we all have different. Uh, we we can have some common ways we express our piety, but it's not, but it's not um, going to be exactly the same. You might enjoy going to a traditional Latin mass. You might enjoy going to the charismatic renewal. You might enjoy saying novenas, praying the rosary. You might enjoy, you know, delving into spiritual reading and spiritual books on the spiritual fathers. We all have different ways that we relate to God and God relates to us. So I think one of the biggest things when it comes down to this, too, isn't judging holiness by judging people's piety. You know, uh, you know, you know we can't judge holiness by judging people's piety, what's what's on the person's heart, right? Like what's written on their heart in their relationship with God is is God alone to judge. Like like we can't judge how holy somebody is by their their expression of the faith. I mean, even Jesus said this, right? Like I I, I forget which which area of scripture it is, but he's like, you know, uh, you know, why do you clean the outside of the cup when it's the inside, <laughs> when the inside of the cup is what really needs to be cleaned? Like, you know, the outward expression of somebody's faith life, you can't judge it and say, oh, this is, this is, wow, that person is so holy. <laughs> they, 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 they could not be, you know? Um, so, so I think we ought to take a look at that too, um, and not judge, you know, uh, holiness by people's piety, but, you know, um, look at it from the perspective of the heart and get to know somebody really well and, and use people as your mentors and your um, spiritual directors so that, so that you can become holier, 
you know, it's not about judging, oh man, that person's so holy. Man, Pope Fran- I can never be the way Pope Francis is. You're exactly right. You cannot be the way Pope Francis is because Pope Francis is a unique person. Uh, and, and you're right, you can't be the way uh, St. Faustina was. You can't be, you can't. But holiness is possible for you in the way God called you to be holy. Yeah, perfectly stated, Bill. I'm glad you brought that up. It's really when you look at the two, the difference here, and I'm glad that we're talking about this because I think it is important because sometimes when people hear the word holy, they do think of more piety than they do what really holiness means. Um, And I want to make a shout out to those who are praying for other people. They may be people who are in prayer groups or charismatic prayer groups or uh, people who are involved in heavy duty Catholic evangelization and what I look at it is, is a fence, okay? And on one side of the fence are people who are exactly like us, meaning whoever we are, you know, just say that I am a person who's involved with uh, some evangeliz- evangelization group in the Catholic church. And my definition of someone being holy is that that person pretty much joins my evangelization team and decides to become a missionary with my group, right? Well, here's what we have to do. We have to really think and pray on that one because that person might not be called to your group, whatever it is, okay? And it doesn't mean that that person is not, quote, holy if they decide that there's a different direction that God is calling them. And I'll give myself as an example, if you don't mind, was that I was invited to be a part of a missionary group some years back. And I did do it for a while. I was a part of it. Okay. But I felt that God was calling me to something else. Now, what, what happened with that was that I met the Mercedarian order and I became a lay member of the Mercedarian order as a third order, but they call it the third order member. It's a prayerful lay member of the order. And in my opinion, and I feel that through my prayer, God revealed to me that this is where he wanted me. Now, does it mean that I'm unholy because that other group that years back that invited me to be a part of it and I decided that wasn't for me? I'm not going to say who it was, you know? No. No. So just remember that that definition of holiness is not always going to be what our definition is. And even if me as a, as a Mercedarian, I have to understand that there's people who are living out their faith in different ways that even if they don't become third order members or Mercedarian religious order priests or whatever, doesn't mean that they're not living out their holiness. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. And Again, you can't judge, you know, piety uh, and, and call it holiness. You know, uh, I, you know, I can kneel there with, you know, the best of them and pray the rosary. I mean, you know, I think, I mean, anybody can kneel there and pray the rosary uh, in, in, in the back of the church, you know. Um, but, 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 I, but I don't think we knock others' piety. And, and I think we, be, we enter into a dangerous um, area. I think we enter into a very dangerous area when we start knocking on other people's piety. And so, Anne, I think it's great uh, that we that we definitely touched on this and talked about this. I think, uh, you know, 
if if there's anything that I can you know leave you with in this podcast, it truly is. Holiness is possible for you. Holiness is possible for you, uh, and it you know it it's also um, doing one little thing to grow closer in your faith. One little thing. It's not you know it. It's not like we have to, you know, you sit there and go, man, I am not holy. There might be some people out there thinking, I'm not holy. Well, how do you get holy? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, like that's that's it. I remember those shirts a while back. I forget who printed them up, but they said, get holy or die trying um, after uh, the, uh, <laughs> the 50-cent album came out, um, get rich or die trying, and somebody did a parody that said, get holy or die trying, which was great. But I mean, how do we get holy, right? How, what are the ways that we do it? Well, you know, if if you want to grow in holiness, you've got to actually make effort to grow in holiness. I think that's another big piece of this, that you have to do something um, with your with your time to and show effort. And then God's grace comes in and, and makes that activity holy, right? Like, like, like holiness... It is through God's grace, right? It is by God's grace that we become holy. Nobody becomes holy without God's grace, but it's the but it's our effort that reaches out. It's our it's our hands that go up. It's our it's the effort that reaches out in that activity, whatever it is. Okay, um, it might be for you spending five minutes with Scripture every day. It might be praying a decade of the Rosary on your lunch break at work. It might be those things. And then God comes in and enters into it, right, and makes that activity sanctifying for you. You know, it, so so it's not it's not just you, um, but God sanctifying that uh, moment. Oh, Bill, that was great. Thank you. Now my brain went to something that I think is important for all of us when we think about what does this mean to be holy? Because what the catechism says, it used the word charity, okay? And for me, uh, I think there's a part of the Bible that will lead us to what that means, okay? And I'm going to give you the verses. I'm not going to read them all, but I'm going to give a little homework to people who are listening that what you want to do, if you want to find out what does it mean to really be holy and really be charitable and loving is to go to Matthew uh, chapter 25 verses 31 through 46. Okay. And this is a section of the Bible called the sheep and the goats. And I'll just going to read you just a tiny bit of it. It says when the King, now I'm reading from a, a specific version of the Bible, but it says when the King says to those on his right, Come, you who, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Um, to me, for myself, to me, that's a, that's good direction for me on how to be holy. Um, Bill, if I may to add about an upcoming book that I wrote um, called Love and Care for the Marginalized, it's going to be coming out either this summer or this fall, which is all about that. It's how can we really be holy? Well, it's not what we think. And it's not necessarily piety, right? What it is, it's how well are we loving? 
And those people are not just the people, uh, they are people in our own homes, but they're people outside of our homes too. But how do we love those people who are outcast, marginalized, and not really uh, getting the support that they deserve, right? Yeah. Isn't that what it's about? Loving people who don't have the support that they deserve. Absolutely. And yeah, I encourage everybody to get uh, Anne's book, uh, Love and Care for the Marginalized. It, Thank it, you. It really is, um, it, it is a wonderful book. It's a beautiful book. It's got 40 awesome reflections. And again, you can do that at any time of the year. Um, but, but it, it's beautiful because I, I think, Anne, you did hit on something really important with um, the Corporal Works of Mercy. That, that is the list of Corporal Works of Mercy, folks. And we have to do works of mercy. Um, and again, God's activity sanctifies, you know, God's grace sanctifies our activity. You know, when we, and, and, and it goes back to Hans' point, it doesn't matter what it is. You know, you can be holy being an Uber driver. You can be holy working, you know, as a CEO. You can be holy um, being a frontline responder. You can be holy being a TV producer. You can be holy in any walk of life. Um, if you allow your activity to be sanctified by God, you know, allow God to sanctify the activity. And, of course, those corporal and spiritual works of mercy are at the heart of that. They're at the heart of, of, uh, of, of being holy, right? So I, I really encourage you, as and kind of wind down this podcast to to th- make a list maybe or just jot down a few things as you lay in bed tonight and you're uh, on the notes in your phone uh, or in a notepad and just say you know what are what are those things that I am already doing that I want God to sanctify and then maybe add one extra thing into it you know uh, whatever whatever that might be I don't know um, what it is for you. It could be a decade of the rosary, driving home from work. could be, uh, you know, add something concrete in there, but also make the list of all the things that you want to bring to God to say, make them holy, right? And when you do that, when you offer your life to God, you know, uh, it's like morning offering, right? I mean, that's a, that's a great practice. You can do that every morning too, right? You know, God, I, I offer my entire day to you and all of its joys, sufferings, um, I offer everything that's going to happen this day to you. And that then sanctifies and makes every part of your day a prayer. Uh, and at the end of the day, again, you can reflect on that. So, uh, And it's always so awesome being with you. I love talking about this stuff, and I can't wait for the next one, which is Catholic. <laughs> the, the, yeah, right? and we'll unpack what it means to be Catholic, and we're going to look at both the capital C and the small so the capital C is like, you know, we're Catholic, meaning that we're baptized and received our sacraments and we profess Catholics. But also, what does that small C mean, right? The small C means universal. And so we're going to unpack both of those on next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern. Now, if you're listening to this on demand, remember, these are going to be on demand on Patchwork Heart Ministry YouTube channel in perpetuity, right, Bill? Yep, yep. I mean, they're there. So you might be listening to this a year from now. We're, we're uh, 
taping this in April of 2021, but these one, these podcasts are not just for 2021. These are for forever. Right. Yeah. So feel free folks. Um, you know, whenever you're listening to this, no, you can always reach out to us too. Um, you know, send us an email, send us, um, you know, whatever, whatever, send us a little email of encouragement. If you have a question or, or whatever, just send it to us. It's very simple to do that. Uh, sewing hope at patchworkheart.org, S-E-W-I-N-G, hope at patchworkheart.org. But, Ann, this has been so much fun. Thank you uh, for this. Yeah, it's been this. fun. <laughs> well, folks, um, again, we really appreciate you tuning in. Know that you can always follow, friend, and like us on all those social media channels. Uh, just search for Sewing Hope Podcast, Patchwork Heart Ministry, or Ann DeSantis, and you can follow and like us. But until next time, keep beating to your Catholic heart and sowing hope into broken hearts. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sowing Hope on Patchwork Heart Radio. For more information about this podcast and our ministries, visit our websites, patchworkheart.org and andesantis.com. You can also follow and interact with us on Twitter at PWH Ministry or Andy Santos too.